0: there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Martin. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! So let, let's just talk a little bit to begin with about uh, Memorial Day. I'll just give you some some facts. Memorial Day actually began, it didn't begin as Memorial Day. How many of you knew that? Some of you are smarter than me. I had to look all this up. Google's a great thing. Um, Memorial Day actually began as Decoration Day, uh, and it was actually in response to the Civil War. Uh, People were still mourning the loss of over 600,000 soldiers killed during the Civil War. And so to honor the deceased, Soldiers and family members would go to the gravesides and uh, gravesites, and they would decorate the graves of their fallen comrades with flowers and flags and wreaths. And so it was known as Decoration Day. Uh, it later became Memorial Day in the late 1880s. Um, fact number two about Memorial Day is that for decades, uh, when Memorial Day first came out, it used to no matter what day of the week it was, it was always observed on May 30th. And they picked that date because there's no major battles that we've ever been involved in as a country. So the 30th was the original date. Well, in 1968, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. uh, And so now Memorial Day is always on the last Monday uh, of May. And that change went into effect in 1971. Uh, fun fact number three about Memorial Day is that uh, Waterloo, New York uh, is considered the birthplace of Memorial Day. Now there's a few towns in Pennsylvania uh, and, and some other areas that have argued that they were the first town uh, to, to uh, honor Memorial Day, but Waterloo is considered that town. In fact, in 1966, Congress uni- unanimously passed a resolution to officially recognize Waterloo, New York as the official birthplace uh, of Memorial Day. And then the, the last thing I would tell you, and, and I did not know this, and, and chances are you probably don't know this either, um, it is legally required for us to observe a national, a national moment of remembrance Uh, every Memorial Day. How many of you knew that, that we are bound by laws. Some of you keep up with the laws. Uh, In in the year 2000, Congress passed a law requiring all Americans to pause at 3 p.m. local time on Memorial Day to remember and honor uh, those who have fallen. Uh, We Sometimes can't get the hot dogs out of our mouth to do that. Um, but if, if you do remember tomorrow at three o'clock, uh, you, uh, be a good citizen, you're required by law to stop and, and, and just to reflect and, and, and remember and honor those who uh, passed away fighting for our freedom. So m- m- Memorial Day is this day set aside for us to remember. We remember the life that we have. We remember the freedoms that we've been afforded. Uh, If you're swimming, or if you're at the beach, or if you're at the lake, or if you're going to go to your family's house tomorrow and have this big cookout, uh, we have been afforded that freedom by men and women who have given their lives. And so these things that we hold dear, these freedoms that we have, uh, they come at a great cost. People gave their lives. And so Memorial Day is all about remembering. And it's not just those lost in the Civil War. That was the intent of the holiday. But we've had many wars since then. And and it's a time for us to pause and remember what these men and women uh, did for us, how they gave their lives. So uh, real quick, we'll just do a little slideshow here. If you were looking for something to do this summer and you wanted to take a road trip all around the United States, um, you could actually go and visit a lot of wartime memorials. These memorials that were set up, these places uh, specifically set up uh, to remember fallen soldiers. And so we'll do a little road trip. Uh, We'll start in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So Your road trip be- begins in Massachusetts, and you can go to uh, the Minutemen State Park, and-, and there you can go visit the Minutemen- Minuteman statue. Um, this is dedicated to all of those who-, who gave their lives for the United States to be free uh, when we went to-, to war with Great Britain. Uh, then you can either get in a car, or uh, if you're rich, get on a plane, uh, and you could go to Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, at, in Kansas City, Missouri, there's the World War One Memorial, uh, and so you could go there and you could remember all those soldiers that, that gave their lives uh, for us, and, uh, and then obviously you've got to go to get some barbecue. Uh, you're in Kansas City, get some of that KC dry rub, uh, and then jump on a plane, and you need a plane for this one, because then you're going to fly to uh, Hawaii, Uh, And and in Hawaii, you can go visit the uh, Pearl Harbor Memorial. uh, When uh, Japan bombed uh, Pearl Harbor, it kind of drug us into World World War II officially. And so um, you could go there and visit and, you know, maybe spend a day or two on the beach uh, and then jump back on a plane and fly to our nation's capital. Uh, And in our nation's capital, there are many war memorials. Um, you could go to the Korean War Memorial, which is in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, I, I grew up in and around D.C., and I've been to just about every place you can imagine there. I've never been here. I, uh, uh, Gavin, can we go to the next picture? Um, so they have these life-size statues of, of these men in, uh, who, who fought in the Korean War. So uh, you could go to D.C. and, and, and visit uh, the Korean uh, War Memorial. And then it's just a short drive over uh, to visit uh, a very unique memorial. It's called the Vietnam Wall. And uh, I remember going there several, several times and watching soldiers come to the wall for the, maybe the first time, and they're trying to, to find a, a fallen comrade, a fallen soldier, and, and just to watch the emotion uh, that goes on at the, at the Vietnam Wall. And that is, a, of course, to remember uh, those who f- fell during that, co- that conflict. Um, while you're in D.C., uh, you could go to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, an absolute highlight if you're, if you're visiting our nation's capital. Uh, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is this historic monument dedicated to the deceased U.S. service men and women members uh, whose remains have not been identified. Uh, And so if you've never been, I encourage it. It's the the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. It's a a magnificent uh, thing to see. Uh, This tomb is actually in Arlington National Cemetery. There are over 400,000 veterans buried in this cemetery. And so, yeah, these are just a few of the war monuments and memorials you can visit. I mean, you can travel around and visit these fascinating places, and their purpose is to cause us to just pause for a minute and remember the brave people who died for us. And you know, they they don't just build memorials for fallen soldiers; they also build them memorials for fallen citizens. Uh, on your trip, you could stop in New York City, uh, where the Twin Towers used to be, and you could visit the 9-11 Memorial, those, those thousands of people that were just, got up on a, on a normal day and went to work uh, and, and never made it home. There's a memorial to remember them. I think one of the most moving memorials I've ever been to um, is in D.C. It's the Holocaust Memorial. It's designed to remember those six million people who who were were murdered. And uh, they have this room that has all of these black and white pictures. And and, and when you go there, you you realize that, man, these people had lives and they had families and they had purpose. uh, And six million of them were just eradicated. It's a very moving experience. Um, They even, believe it or not, have a Titanic memorial. Uh, It's in D.C. It's one of the lesser-known memorials in D.C. for those who lost their lives uh, on the Titanic. I I can only imagine that if that statue would be able to speak, it would say, I'm the king of the world, um, if you've you've watched that movie uh, before. But memorials are designed to help us remember. And for just a few minutes, I want to talk to you about the world's most impressive memorial. We call it many different things. We call it communion. Some people call it the Eucharist. Some people call it the Lord's Supper. Uh, We also call it the Last Supper. Um, I like that term, the Last Supper, uh, because it, it paints a picture for us. This is going to be the last meal that Jesus has with his apostles before he's drug away and crucified for our sins. And so uh, it's this this last supper. And it got me to thinking, uh, j- just, by, just humor me for a minute. Uh, in your own mind, my kids ask me this all the time. Um, if you knew, like, today after church was going to be your last meal and you were going to be taken away and executed, all right, what would you choose? What would you have for your, for your last meal? M- my sons ask me this all the time. I don't know if they're just ready for me to die or what, but they, they ask me, um, and, and my answer has never, ever changed. I know exactly what I would eat uh, my last meal here on earth. Gavin, yeah, if you could hit that. Um, it's a very specific meal, all right? This is it. This, is, this would be my last meal, Um, It would be a peanut butter sandwich. It has to be on sunbeam bread. I used to be a wonder man, but now I love sunbeam. Um, Sunbeam bread with skippy peanut butter, a very good piece of sharp cheese, uh, a very nice pickle, uh, and then for dessert, I'm gonna have just extra creamy vanilla ice cream and I'm gonna take some of that peanut butter and I'm gonna swirl it. That would be my last meal. And if you would have asked me that 20 years ago, that would be my last meal. If you asked me that in 20 years, I, that'll be my last meal or maybe insure, I don't know. But you know, one of those things, right? Um, these foods bring me comfort. What would your last meal be? Well, Jesus, his last meal was a, was a Passover meal. And you can you can Google that and, and and see what the foods that were served and the bitter herbs and all the things that were served. But but this was a meal just hours before Jesus would be arrested and removed from his apostles and eventually crucified. During this last supper, Jesus is going to establish a memorial. He's gonna tell his disciples, listen, I'm going to leave but I want you to constantly remember me. So we're gonna, I'm going to take you to Mark's account real quickly, Mark's account of the Last Supper in Mark chapter 14. <clears throat> Picking up in verse 22, it says, And as they were eating, he, Jesus, took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. <clears throat> and he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank it. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so essentially what Jesus is saying is, listen, when I die, I'm going to institute this supper, the Lord's Supper of this bread and of this wine or this juice. And I want you to take it every week. I want you to remember what I've done for you. I wanna read you a quote from a a guy I really look up to, Bob Russell, uh, on this. He says, this is a little bit of a long quote, so stay with me. He says, quote, I would suggest to you that the most profound and effective memorial of any kind is the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus knew that we were inclined to forget, right? We, we forget pretty easily, don't we? <clears throat> Back into the quote. So <clears throat> on the night before he sacrificed his life, Jesus took a loaf of bread and a cup of juice and said to his followers, this is my body, this is my blood, do this in remembrance of me. Communion was established so that we would never forget what he did for us. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we participate in a sacred observance that reveals the wisdom and the genius of God, end of quote. The reason I like that quote is because uh, how easily do we forget, right? How easily do we defame the name of Jesus? How easily do we just go right back into our former way of life. And so he institutes this memorial called the Lord's Supper for us to remember. And here's why I love this memorial. Real real quick, this is turning into a sermon, I'm sorry. Um, Number one, it's interactive. The Lord's Supper is interactive. I want you to think about it. When you take communion, it involves all five of your senses, right? So you'll, you'll get that juice in that cup out in a minute. You'll be able to see it you'll be able to touch it. You could smell it. Obviously, you can taste it. And and, and then when you start crunching down on that little wafer, uh, you're going to be able to hear it. Uh, Paul calls the Lord's Supper a a participation in the body and the blood of Christ. So it's this interactive memorial that we participate in. It's also symbolic. We use unleavened bread that doesn't have any yeast in it. Yeast makes bread puff up. Sin makes us puff up. Jesus didn't have any sin, so we use this unleavened bread. The grape juice we use is a result of the grapes being crushed and pressed, just like Jesus was crushed and pressed for our sins. And obviously, the the, the juice uh, mirrors the color of blood, uh, signifying the blood that was poured out for us. The other thing I love about communion is that it's a portable memorial. You don't have to go to Washington, D.C. to take communion. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to take communion. You don't have to go to Mecca to take communion. You can, you can take it where you are. Like <clears throat> there are some of you uh, watching online and you're at your beach house or you're at your lake house and, and maybe you've got a little bottle of Welch's and a, and a pack of crackers. Uh, and even in your little vacation spot, you're going to pause and remember what Jesus did for you because it's a portable uh, memorial. And then the last thing I like about communion is it's very profound. I think there is something deeply spiritual that occurs when we participate in the Lord's Supper. We call it communion for a reason, because we're communing with the God of the universe, and we are able to commune with him because of the sacrifice of his son. Jesus said in John 6, um, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I and them, and so with that in mind, <clears throat> what I want to do is I want to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, and you know, I'm always just getting done preaching or getting ready to come out here and preach, and I don't really get to do communion with with you uh, nine times out of ten. I'm sitting in the back taking it uh, before I come out here to preach. And so I, I want to kind of do this collectively. I want to do this together. It's going to be a little different than normal. And so the first thing I would say, if you're visiting here. Uh, and, and uh, you don't have communion with you, uh, on the table in the very back, just feel free to go up and, and, and grab that communion. You're not going to disturb uh, anybody. Uh, and I want to take the Lord's Supper together, but I want to do it in this unique way. And so if you have your communion, um, go ahead and get the bread out. And just hang on to it. Whoa, I almost dropped mine on the floor. Um, hang on to it for just a second. And I just want you to just look at it. That's weird. Just look at it. Now, remember, what does this bread, this memorial that we are about to engage in, what does this bread represent? The, the, the body of Jesus. And so, I just want you to look at this picture. You know, it's, I think it's taken from the passion of the Christ. It's, it's just makeup and special effects. But we know in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, uh, there was no makeup and no special effects. And so uh, I'm just going to give you about 25 seconds. I just want you to concentrate on that for a second. Just hold that bread in your hand. Just concentrate on, the, on this body of, of Christ. And he did this willingly. Now, Gavin, if we could go to that next scripture in Isaiah, um, here's what Isaiah says about it. As many were astonished at you, He's talking about Jesus. His appearance was so marred, it was beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So we can go back to that picture, Gavin, of Jesus on the cross. Uh, so what Isaiah is saying is that listen, he was beaten beyond recognition. Even if you knew Jesus, you didn't, you wouldn't recognize him. That's how that's how that's how mangled and bloody and beaten his body was. And so this little cracker represents his body that was broken for us. And so what I would like to do is uh, all together in unison, uh, let's participate in the body, the broken body of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'll just hang on to your juice for a minute. And let's pray real quick. Jesus we thank you for your, for your physical body that was torn to shreds on our behalf. We often defame your name and really cheapen the work on the cross at times and help us to, to see the magnitude of it. Help us to realize that you were bloody and beaten, that your skin was ripped from your bones and it had to be agonizing. And you did it on our behalf. We thank you for your body that was broken. And and this is our memorial to you, Jesus. This is our living memorial. We are here to remember that you have fallen for us to have freedom from sin and freedom from death. And because of your broken body, we have the hope of eternal life with our heavenly Father. We're here to praise you and thank you for that. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Okay, now we've got this juice. And this juice that we hold, some churches use wine, but it it represents the blood of Jesus. And we talk a lot about the blood of Jesus in church. I don't have to educate many people. The blood of Jesus, that's what saves us. That's what sanctifies us. That's what cleanses us. There's an old song that goes like this. I love it. It says, there is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins, all sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. You see, this blood is, or this juice represents the blood of Jesus. It's this memorial that reminds us that his blood is continuing to remove our guilty stains. It's his blood that cleanses us. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Before we take communion, I haven't forgot about it. I want you to see Mark 14, 25 again. Jesus says something interesting to his disciples. He says, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, "'I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine.'" I'm not gonna be drinking this grape juice or this wine. Um until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is essentially saying, uh, listen, I'm not, this is my last meal on earth here. I'm not going to drink this fruit of this vine again until I can drink it with you when you come up to be with me in heaven. And I love that. It's like Jesus is saying, I've got this bottle of wine that's like priceless. It's been aging or, or for, for years, and I'm not going to open it until you come into my kingdom, and I'll drink it with you anew. I love that. I was reading about this small country church in the state of Wisconsin, and they have this special tradition they they, they use at the close of every single one of their communion services, and they've done this for a number of years. Uh, the The <clears throat> excuse me, the tradition they use is adapted from an ancient Jewish closing of the Passover meal. Um, It's the hope of every devout Jewish person to one day have a Passover meal in Jerusalem, in the holy city of David. And so in the Jewish custom after Passover meal, it's custom for them to end with a toast. They take their juice or their wine and Passover participants raise their cup. And here's what they say. Next year, in Jerusalem, meaning that they want to be in in this city, this holy city. Next year, we're going to do this in Jerusalem. Listen, this little cup right here that that you're holding, this Lord's Supper, it serves as two reminders. First, we're to look back at the shed blood of Jesus. But we're also to look forward to the second coming of Jesus, Remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 when he's talking about taking the Lord's Supper? He says, when you take it, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So in other words, for all Christians, I want you to think about this concept. There will be a last sharing of this bread and this juice on this side of eternity. When When they once meet again, They will be in the presence of Christ. And so I I like to think, I would love for the Lord to come back. Like tonight, I'm ready to go. And how cool would that be as if this is your last communion here on earth and your next one is with Jesus in heaven. And so back to the church in Wisconsin, here's what they do. At the close of every communion, the members of their church raise their cups in anticipation, and here's what they say. Next time with Christ. Because they want to be in the presence of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm not going to drink of this until I meet you again in heaven. And they so want to be there. So I'm going to invite you to do that with me. It's a a little different than communion. I'm going to invite you to raise your cup and say with me when I count to three, next time with Christ. One, two, three. Next time with Christ. Father, we thank you for your blood. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And God, we hold fast to that promise of the great wedding feast of the Lamb. When you will break, it, break open that meal for us in your presence in heaven, and we will be with you, we won't have to Remember your sacrifice because our sins will be wiped away and we will just be in your presence. God, there's a lot of heroic people and we celebrate our men and women who have died for us to have this freedom. And we remember and we pause for that. But we also pause and remember what Jesus says. Greater love has no man than this. And that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. And so we, we remember that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us on what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.